0: Three years, three years ago, I guess really about three years and two weeks ago, I uh, officiated my uh, my mother's mother's funeral. Laura Hargrove was her name. Malgrove is what her grandkids called her. Gigi, great grandma. That's too hard for little kids to say, but Gigi is what the, the great grandkids called her, and uh, she was just an an awesome, awesome lady. And I, uh, I officiated her her memorial, and uh, to date it, it it was the toughest one that I've I've ever done. And I can I can remember there's there's a final song after I'm through with everything that that, that that's my part of the the service, and then there's a then there's a song as I, I sit I sit down kind of behind the the podium there at the at the funeral home, and then after the song, then I'm gonna step forward and folks are going to pass by. And I can remember just kind of s- sitting back behind that podium and just kind of crumbling inward just because it was so, it was so difficult. And I said something along the lines, I quoted an, an Irish proverb at her, uh, at her funeral that says that... Uh, An ounce of of mother is worth more than a pound of clergy. Now as 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 a preacher, that's even more significant. But today, that makes me think about what the Apostle Paul wrote to his protege Timothy in his second letter to him. Where Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I am confident that the sincere faith that first lived in your mother and grandmother, now lives in you also. And for me, I think, about the, I think about the women of faith in my life, and were it not for them, I promise you, I wouldn't be here in front of you. And so today, if you, if you mother, or if you have mothered, or if you serve as a mother figure. And I think that's significant. We talk about the need for father figures. But how crucial are those who are mother figures in the lives of those to whom biology plays no part, but the kingdom does. And so thank you for being who you are. If you're a guest today, perhaps visiting with a a family member, we're very grateful that you would come and that you would worship with us. And we want you to know that we, we do not believe that God does random. God doesn't do happenstance. We believe that God, He brings us together here in this place and He brings us together for His purposes. And so today I am simply going to try and present a, a pound of clergy. But an ounce of mother. Mother. What a blessing. Fellowship of Difference is my my title today. It's a a little bit of a a play on words. Later on, my hope is that you'll see why. But I'm going to ask that you you begin with me in the letter of the Apostle Paul to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 1. And just so you know, the, the primary passages are going to be on the screen behind me. I'm going to read verses 15 through verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, writes this. He, the Son, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created by him and all things have been created for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together jesus is the he's the agent of creation he's the goal of creation and jesus is the the sustainer of creation all things hold together in him when you think of the construction of an atom with protons and neutrons and electrons all swirling around one another the apostle paul says you don't have to guess at what it is that holds those things together it's jesus when you think about the the earth as it sits on its axis and as as we revolve around the sun and the earth as it spins, and a little bit further away from the sun we freeze to death, and a little bit closer to the sun and we burn to death. What suspends and holds all of that in perfect tension? Paul says it's Jesus. He's the head, authority, he's the head of the body, the church, he's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything that he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things unto himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. What Paul is asserting within these words is that Jesus is sovereign. He's the agent. He's the goal. He's the sustainer of creation. He's sovereign. He reigns. He rules. He's God. That's what Paul is after. Let me read these same ideas paraphrased by the late Eugene Peterson in the message. He writes this, he says, We look at this sun and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together. Right up to this very moment, and when it comes to the church, he organizes and he holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there. He's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death. His blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves, you're a case study of what He does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of Him, giving Him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving Himself completely at the cross and actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side. Put your lives together, whole and holy, in His presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned in to the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets the same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. Peterson says, You're a case study in what God does. Your life is a case study of how the one who put together the universe continues to put us together. Think about the ones that Jesus chose to be his disciples. Think about the 12, the 12 apostles. Yes, all men. Yes, all Jewish men. But think about the group that Jesus puts together. You have those who are a part of, of these followers of Jesus who are fishermen, and that they're fishermen who, there are those who are fishermen who work the boats, and then there are fishermen... Whose father owns the boats, and even within those twelve, really at, at what I envision as the polar opposite ends of the spectrum with those twelve men, you have matthew who 's a tax collector, Matthew, who is a, he 's he's, he's a, a person that works he works for the man, he works for the government he, he exploits his own people in order to make a profit for those that that oppressed them, and also to make a prophet for himself. And then at the other end of the spectrum, you have Simon the Zealot. And the Zealot, they were religious Zealots. They would kill anyone who wasn't as orthodox and religious as they were. And Jesus puts this group together. And it's the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of Jesus. The supremacy of Christ, God in Christ, the fulfillment, the fulfillment of God's design in the creative order. And this is God. It's the God who saves us, which is what Jesus means. Jesus means, Jesus means God saves. What do we see there in verses 19 and 20? For God was pleased... To have all of His fullness dwell in Him. There's there's nothing in Christ that lacks being God. Jesus is fully God and through Him to reconcile, to make right, to bring unto Himself, to set to rights, through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. In the next chapter, in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, the apostle will say, and you too You have been given fullness in Christ. Not only is Jesus fully God, He lacks nothing in being God, but you too, you've been given fullness in Christ. You lack nothing if in Christ. John in 1 John, he'll say, make my joy complete. How? By being one in Christ. Because what makes up a family makes up God's family, makes up the church. It's beyond biology. It's love and grace and connection. It's shared life. When family, and when family is at its best, it's unity, it's oneness, Let me try to illustrate. Have you seen the Have you seen the show The Greatest Showman? Show of hands. Um, It's uh, my 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 youngest two girls, especially my youngest. It's one of their favorite favorite shows. I on Sunday mornings, uh, I get up really early. I get up I get up long before anyone else anyone else does. I I I have my routine. I have my my regimen. I've been I've been working this regimen for the last twenty years. I get up early. I get ready. I pray. I work through my notes. I say to God, God, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. Please help it be more than I think it's going to be. I have these conversations with God, and then I say, God, okay, this is all yours. Um, but inevitably, I would say probably about half of the Sundays, I was kind of waiting to see if it happened this morning. It didn't happen this morning. But about half of the Sundays, as I'm up early, my girls, my youngest two girls, will see the light on underneath their door, and, it'll, and they'll, they'll, they'll come out long before they're supposed to. Now, if Tiersa is up, she will send them right back to where they were. But if she's not up, I'll let them get up, and I'll let them kind of do their thing while I'm doing my thing. And I'll usually say, well, what do you, you want to watch a show? What do you want to watch? And probably half the time, especially with the youngest one, here recently, they'll say, we want to watch the greatest, the greatest showman. P.T. Barnum's circus. And within that circus, if you've seen the show, or maybe even if you, you haven't, you have the bearded lady who sings beautifully. You got the tattooed guy. You have the acrobats. You have the 500-pound man. You have the Irish giant. And General Tom Thumb. Right? And do you remember in the show, do you remember whenever Hugh Jackman, who plays P.T. Barnum, do you remember whenever, whenever he and his girls are going around and they're advertising For those who would be a part of the circus. Do you remember what they advertise that they're looking for? They're looking for freaks and oddities. And those freaks and oddities, those misfits, they become family. And that reminds me of the the parable that Jesus tells. The parable of the wedding banquet. Whenever the king has prepared this wedding banquet and he sends his servants to go to those who would be expected and invite them to come and yet they refuse to come. And then the king sends them back out and he tells them to go to the streets. Go where the least likely to come and the least of these are found and invite them to come to the kingdom. Invite them to come to the table of the kingdom. Invite them to the wedding banquet. Just like God ordered the universe, which is spoken into existence at His command, the same God who designs the universe designs His church. And God's design for His church is that we might be a people of, that we might be a fellowship of difference. D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-T-S. Even though D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E fits us well. Let me try it this way. First uh, John chapter 3, verse 1. It's our scripture of the month, this month as a as a church family, just as it as it happens. We have, we have 12 shepherds here at Eastridge. We have 12 months during the year, and so each each. Scripture of the month for each month of the year is is coming from from one one of our elders. And so this month, for the month of May, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Here it is in the English Standard Version. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. In the New International Version, it reads like this: How great is the love that the Father has lavished upon us. That we should be called children of God. I, I can't read this verse without coming back to my, my mom's mom, my grandmother. It's been several years ago. It's probably been about four, maybe close to five five years ago. But I preached a sermon in regard to this, this verse. And I used as an illustration Thanksgiving, Christmas time, and her, how do you say this? Is it, is it giblet gravy? Giblet, giblet gravy, right? Do you know what's in there? Yeah, but, but I mean, and I don't want to know what's in there. I I know what's in there. I don't want to know what's in there. But the way that the way that she would do it, it was just, it was just, I mean, it tasted great, right? And so several years ago, as I'm looking at this verse, I, I moved us toward this sort of idea. And I used her giblet gravy as, as an illustration, that it's like that gravy just layered on top of the dressing and the turkey and who's getting hungry now. It's like that gravy just, just, just lavishly poured out upon that, that meal. And uh, the next family get-together was right around the time that I had utilized it, that, so it may, have been, it may have been right at the holidays. But I can remember her sitting at my mom's table and I had that sermon, and I had that little section queued up on the phone, and I had her put some, some earphones in. And, and, and watching her, and watching her expression as she's listening, and then as she just smiles, and after she pulls the headphones out, she goes, he, he said that God's love is like my giblet gravy. And just how pleased she was, she was with that. Now this verse here, 1 John 3, 1, it's very similar to what we see in the Gospel of John. Stick with me. John chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. "The The Word became flesh, back to creation, and then new creation. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We've seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John, not not talking about biology, but John talking about the, the preeminence and the sovereignty of Christ. From the fullness, the fullness of his grace, we have all received. The 84 NIV says one blessing after another. The 2011 NIV says grace in place of grace already given. The English Standard Version puts it this way. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes After me ranks before me because he was before me. For from him, from his fullness, we have all received grace layered upon grace. Grace poured out upon grace. And then check this out from the message. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like Father, like Son. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, this is the one. The one that I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me, but and has always had the first word. We all live off His generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses. And then this exuberant giving and receiving, this endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. This one-of-a-kind God expression who exists at the very heart of God has made Him plain as day. The Word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Grace, grace upon grace, layers of grace. As we saw in 1 John, layer upon layer of love. Love lavished. Love in excess. Love Wasted, but for a purpose. Why? So that we might be saved? Yes. But it's more. It's so much more. It's so that we might be a family, a fellowship, a fellowship of difference. And a fellowship of difference. Church. Church is designed to be a fellowship. And a fellowship of difference. Church is not designed to where everyone gets their way. That's Burger King. That's not the church. As a matter of fact, church is is where you deny yourself for the sake of others. The New Testament. The church the New Testament talks about is designed by God to be a fellowship of difference. A fellowship where all that matters is the one that unites us because the one that unites us is greater than anything that could ever divide us. A fellowship where we refuse division and pettiness and selfishness because those things have no place in the life of the mature believer. And God, God, He didn't design... He did not design the church to simply be an experience on Sunday. He designed the church to be a fellowship, a fellowship of difference, all carrying out a a single mission, all following the same Lord, all aligned against a common enemy, because we all need God. and We all need each other. And if you don't think that the enemy is real, then you're next. Go to the next slide, please. <clears throat> I've, uh, I've saved this image for, for months now, just waiting for what, what might be the, the right time to be able to utilize it. And I think this morning is the right time to make use of it. The men on the right are a, a group of, of paratroopers about to parachute into France on D-Day. And on the left are those same men in recent years. Isn't that cool? Now what's even cooler about this image is not only are these the the same men, but that's the same plane. When you think about when you think about World War II in particular, we could reference other wars and we can draw from other battles, but in particular World War II, it took Japan bombing Pearl Harbor to involve the the U.S. in a war that, up until Pearl Harbor, we had been very hesitant to engage in. But the U.S. now, after Pearl Harbor, had a common enemy. The Axis powers. And so the allied powers of the US and England and the Soviet Union and China. What else could have brought together the US and England and then the Soviet Union and China? What else could have brought these countries together other than being in the same boat, having the same common enemy, and a single minded mission? A fellowship of difference. To put this in modern terms, a billionaire genius with cool suits and a big ego, a giant green rage monster, an arrogant Norse demigod, an 80-year-old super soldier whose moral code and military prowess are matched by none, when Earth's greatest threats arise against mankind, we can rest easy knowing the Avengers have come together and learned how to fight as a team. Whether an alien invasion in New York City, a defense system for the planet gone horribly wrong, or a mad titan bent upon bringing ruin to the whole universe, it's up to this team of difference to stop them. Oh, snap. I am Iron Man. Okay, I just need to, to give a little bit of, a little bit of credibility to... Um, to, to typing that up because uh, Jacob Thomason gave me that bit because I promise you I have, I have seen one out of the 22 movies <laughs> but I just thought maybe today it might apply. Go ahead and go to the final slide. Many here in this room grew up in a fellowship of sames and likes. But that's just not the way it's supposed to be our goal our call is to be a fellowship of difference to be a church that when you think about the way that god utilizes the church in our local communities to be a church that reflects and represents our community in order to be a community of faith that community of faith that impacts the community that we live in when you think about it when you think about it the church is really god's show and tell think of children whenever they're small, and think in elementary school, and how the teacher will schedule a day, and they're going to have a day of show and tell, and to ask the students to bring something, bring something that you just want to show and tell your class about. And sometimes they'll bring something that you might expect, and other times they bring things that you don't expect, things that are special, things that are important, things that they cherish, things that they want to be able to present to the class to show them, to tell them why this is special to them. And when you think about it, the church, the church is God's show and tell. The church is God's world-changing social experiment. Bringing unlikes, bringing difference to the table to share life with one another as a new kind of family when this happens we show the world what love grace justice peace patience kindness reconciliation and life together is designed by God to be The church is God's show and tell for the world because we are a family of disciples. And a disciple, a disciple is someone who has moved on from being a recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. And that's a fellowship of difference. And that's who we're called to be. I thank you again for, for being here today and for the blessing that it is to come together as Christ's church here in this place. We want to offer a time of, of response. Maybe for you that, that means that you've, you're, you recognize that God's call upon your heart and life is to submit yourself to Him in baptism. What a beautiful day to be able to honor such a request. Maybe for you today's a difficult day. Maybe we can pray over you as your brothers and sisters. we can bless you in some way, as only a fellowship of difference can. Come forward as we stand and as Tony leads us in song.